Welcome to New Hope and the teaching ministry of Pastor Randy Rainwater. In almost every situation, we sin because of one of two reasons. We either don't understand who God is or we don't understand how amazing a place we have in his presence. Pastor Randy says we are the sons and daughters of the covenant of God. He continues his Dream Again series, a study in the book of Acts. Who would have believed what is inside of you that God can do for his glory? When you've been with Jesus. Turn in your Bible now to Acts chapter 3. Here's Pastor Randy. Well, amen and good morning, New Hope. You guys bump elbows or wave or, or whatever it is that you do. Um, Kids, thanks for joining us this morning. Man, you guys have the best teachers. You guys like have the teacher teachers. Man, that's amazing. Like these are actual teachers. Yeah, these are, isn't that a great, we have people that work with kids all week long and then they come and they spend Sundays with our kids. And it happens on Wednesdays too. We, we, have, we have, Cassie Peterson is a, is a teacher and she spends her entire day with middle schoolers. That's a gift from the Lord that she would come here and be here with us. All right, let me give you a couple quick announcements and then we're gonna get into the word and open your Bibles up to the book of Acts chapter three. So uh, trunk or treats next weekend. We're gonna talk about that at the end of the service. It's gonna be great. The next week, my friend Lou Sterrett's gonna be here. He's gonna preach from horseback, either out there or in this room. Uh, either one, he will be on horseback uh, on the 31st. And we've got pony rides for the kids. Pony rides are weather dependent, okay? We aren't doing pony rides, the elders said no. All right, so um, now inside, but it's gonna be great. And then um, it's uh, foster care community. There's a booth in the back. If you can be in support of our foster families, we, we don't necessarily say who those people are uh, for some obvious reasons, but when they have people around them that support them, that makes that work. The, the percentage of people who can stay in this system and help with fostering. It's such an amazing thing that people would do this. And lastly, um, I've been telling you guys about Afghanistan. We've been praying. We, we gathered stuff up. It looked like nothing was going to happen. I was literally standing here yesterday at 11 o'clock working through the sermon and preaching through the sermon and uh, trying to get my timing down and within the context of the, the 29 minutes and 23 seconds that I'm given to do this. And, uh, and I, the phone rang and it was Scott Keller and he said, we have three Afghan families at the clinic, they have nothing. And in, Anita and I and Trey um, and um, Emily came over and, and we got, thank you guys for all the organization, all those bags with names and sizes and, and clothes and toothbrushes and bars of soap and notes that said, you are welcome here. And we, got, we filled up an SUV with stuff and we drove down and met with these families. This one man, he had all of his, all of his um, military IDs that the government had given him and he told us the story. The Taliban was hunting him and he had to have those IDs to get into the airport but if he got caught with them and his family, they would all be killed. And, and he told us the story and, and he would just went on and on 
about how thankful he was to be in this country. I wanted to sing Lee Greenwood. I mean, um, it was amazing. And I think sometimes we forget the blessings that we have here. Not everything's right, but we have remedies. What a great place to live. Um, all right, I know I'm all over the place already. I'm in trouble. I've been crying and I'm all over the place already. We're in a lot of trouble. Acts chapter three. I just wanna go back and, and take a quick look for a second at what Josh taught last week, just one phrase. But before I do that, if we could stand together and I wanna read this scripture and the scriptures are in your bulletin uh, as well. But I wanna read from Acts chapter three, beginning at verse eight. We're gonna read up to the 14th verse. And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man. Remember that story Josh talked about last week about the healing of a crippled man. By what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. They were supposed to be the builders. They had rejected the cornerstone. They had rejected the very central piece of what they were supposed to be building the house on. And he says in verse 12, there's no salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved, verse 13. Central verse of the day, memory verse of the week. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. Look at this line. This is, a, this is an identity. This is an identity passage. You can, you can put a circle around it or a parenthesis to remember this. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. How different it is. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. And may God bless the reading of his word. You guys can be seated. Didn't Josh do a great job last week? I was so proud of him. Just go back to 3.1. Peter and John were going up to the temple, the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. I just want to put this in context. Peter has preached this sermon. 3,000 people come to faith. One sermon. And he's going, and he's going just normal to the temple to pray. There's no element of pride here. There, listen, 3,000 3, people get, get saved in one sermon. In America today, you're writing a book. You're holding conferences. You're, you're probably not going to the temple with everybody else. But see, when you go... When you go to the temple, there's an equality that happens when we go together because we all in the presence of God are the same. It's an amazing thing that we see here. They were on their way. In verse, verse 10, you remember, he, remember when we talked about the, the first base, second base, third base? Who hits the home run? Yeah, Jesus hits the home run. He, he bats clean up. Hey, and by the way, how about them Braves? All right. And let me just go ahead and get this done. I understand there was a football game yesterday. Okay. 
And I owe Brandon some Kentucky Ale 8 ones. All right, okay, all right. I'll pay up, okay. It's a soft drink, just to be clear. Baptist in the room, all right, okay. But, but God would bring the awe, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him, that we do, the, we do what we're supposed to do. You're on your way to the temple to pray. You get up, and you open up the Bible, and you're in the Word. And your kid walks down and sees you. You, you go and you feed people at a homeless shelter. You, you, just, you do the things that we're supposed to do. We do what he calls us to do. We invite people into our homes. It, we, we, we go and we serve at a school. You put clothes in a bag and you bring them and you drop them off in a barrel at church. Thanks, by the way, church, for giving. Um, <laughs> we we have this new, this new Spanish small group and one of the guys came up to me last week and he goes, I'm so thankful. He goes, I've been at the church for an entire year and no one's talked about money. And I went up to him today and I said, I just want you to know next week Sheba's preaching about money. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's Barnabas and he sells a field. Clemente, he's in the back, yeah. Barnabas sells a field and then Ananias and Sapphira don't give and they drop dead. Okay, I'm letting Sheba <laughs> preach that sermon. How brave am I, Okay. She'll do fine. Verse 11, they, they clung to Peter and John. Here's the first thing. What happens when Jesus is with humanity? What do we see? You're gonna see as we just kind of read through these verses, this dichotomy between the, the fallenness of humanity and the amazingness of Jesus. Now watch this. They clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded. They ran together with them in the portico called Solomon's. It's also known as Solomon's Porch. We got a picture of it here. It was this colonnade. It was interestingly enough, it, Peter was preaching next to the Gentile court and the women's court. Anyone could come. Again, that place of the kingdom of God is that place where everyone can come to. It would have it had marble columns and a cedar roof and people would come to it and it was the place that was accessible to everyone. And he would go there and he would preach. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this or why do you stare at us? Though by our own power or piety, we have made this man walk. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant. Here's the first thing about who Jesus is. He's the servant. Jesus, whom you delivered over. Now look at the contrast here between who he is and what our actions are. Jesus, you delivered over in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied, now look at this, the holy and righteous one. Here's the second, here's the second identity of who Jesus is, the holy and righteous one. And what did you ask for? You asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed, look at the, look at the irony of this. You killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. Another ironic part to that. To this we are witnesses, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Christ has given this man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you act in ignorance, as did also your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that, 
that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. So what is the response to this? That Jesus is all of these things, the holy and righteous one, the, suffer, the suffering servant. Isaiah 53, you can read about that. He, he is the author of life. What is the response to who Jesus is? Repent, therefore. Turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Go away from that direction. And, and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. If, if you're tired and you need times of refreshing, you're not gonna get it from binge watching. You're not gonna get it from going down to the bar and getting wasted. It's times of refreshing that he would bring, that you, that you turn back to, that he can send this Christ anointed for you, Jesus, whom the heavens must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me. So he is also this prophet from your brothers. You will listen to him and whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to the prophet will be destroyed from the people. There is this contrast that's going on here. But in the midst of that, there's this hope. And this is the sermon that Peter's preaching Here's the amazing thing. Again, I already said this about the, the equality, the thing that happens within the body of Christ that, 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 we, that we come and, and we don't bring our trophies, we don't bring our bank accounts, we don't bring our honors. Because in contrast to him, all that would be rather worthless. You know, I know a lot about football when I'm talking to Anita. She knows a lot about soccer. What she says is the real football. And I contend that footballs are not round. But if I'm talking to Adam Carter or Andy Dyer, I don't know much about football. Now, I know that everyone else in this community thinks they know more than the high school coaches, all right? But, but these people actually know what's going on. I, I went to a, um, and by the way, we are so blessed in this community by our coaches. We've got some coaches in this room. Um, if you, we're, okay, this was not in my notes. If you coach high school, you coach little kids, if you spend your time coaching kids, would you just stand wherever you're at? Don't make me call on you. I see some of you out there. I need you to stand wherever you're at. Thank you guys so much for doing that. This, you know, these, these high school coaches, get to school before six o'clock and they leave after six. It, there's no stipend that covers those hours. They, they care for these kids. They're expected to win, but, but they're doing a whole lot more than winning games. Now, I don't, you got a playoff game this week, don't you? In softball, girls softball at Grayson. The, what amazing people we have with our kids. These teachers that are with our kids every day, they need our support. This has been a rough season for all of us. These, these teachers need our support. Please don't forget, as you're writing in because you're not happy about the grade your kid got on their test, to tell them how much you appreciate them. Because what amazing people. But I, you know, I, I'm, when I compare myself to these people, I don't know much. 
I went to a baseball game with Brett Butler once, the all-star outfielder for the Dodgers. And, and I sat with Brett. He was explaining stuff to me. I had no idea was going on. He's like, look at that guy's foot. You can see which way he thinks the ball's gonna go because of the way, the pressure that's on one side of his foot. What, do, you, do you see, okay, do you see how the catcher's setting up? This guy, this guy doesn't get in the strike zone, so the catcher's actually setting up to make the, refer, the umpire think it's gonna be a strike. Like, he's seeing all this stuff. When, when, we, when we compare ourselves to Jesus, there is no comparison. But here's the good thing. We don't have to compare ourselves to Jesus because Jesus became the holy and righteous one for us. He became that for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Look at what he says our place is. Because now we're gonna look at what is seen when humanity is with Jesus. It says, you, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. And in your offspring will all the families of the earth be blessed. Here's the incredible thing. You have this incredible identity. You might wanna put a, a circle around those words or, or even around that entire verse because this is, a, this is about identity. This is who you are. I, I'm convinced in almost every situation, we sin because of one of two reasons. We either don't understand who God is or we don't understand how amazing a place we have in his presence. You are the sons and daughters of the covenant of God. You were made to be a part of this team. What an, you, you, matter to him at a level you never even dream. You're, you're, not, you're not just the one he died for. You are family. You're his child. You are the children of the covenant. And they stood speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple, chapter four, and the Sadducees came upon them. Now the the priests were Pharisees. They were spiritual people. They, they believed in God. They believed in a resurrection. The Sadducees were professors. They were basically atheists. But they all were Jews. They all were about the Jewish people. The Pharisees religiously, the Sadducees were much more academics. They didn't believe there was a resurrection. That's why they were so sad, you see. Yeah, I know that was really bad. <laughs> Do you remember the song? I just want to be a sheep, Bob. Does anyone know the song? Bob, 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 Bob. No one. Yeah, you do. You're just like, no, you're on your own, sheep. <laughs> you're on your own on this one. And, and, the, and the captain of the temple, these, these, these priests had cops, their own cops. They had their own little army. So look at this. So the, so the powerful ones came and they arrested them and put them into custody until the next day for it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed and the number of men came to about 5,000. Would I trade jail for 5,000 people? Would you? 
Tough question, isn't it? We were, we were gathered with our young adults a couple weeks ago, and I got a text that afternoon from my friend. He works in a country where you can't talk about Jesus, leads hundreds of house churches. Been interrogated by their chief of what would be their CIA twice for over four hours in a room with no windows. Threatened with way more than expulsion. Would I do that? Well, Peter did. And, and on the next day, they kept him in jail overnight just to kind of get their attention. The, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and who had been priest and John and Alexander. This is the whole priestly family and all who were of the high priestly, it says it right there, doesn't it? And verse seven, and they set them in the midst that they inquired, by what power or by what name do you do this? This is what's kind of funny. These are like the most powerful people in the, in the city and they're asking, by what power do you do this? Because they understand there's a power here bigger than their power. And when the powerful people realize there's a power bigger than the power, it scares them. And they're a little freaked out by this. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This man, this is the stone that was rejected, the builders which has become the cornerstone. Now, today we have like all kinds of lasers and, and, th and laser levels and all those kind of things to keep things straight. But in this day, building, you, had a, you, t you would build a building and there would be a, a stone in the middle and that stone had to be square. It had to be flat and it was the cornerstone and it was the, the sides had to be perfect. It was, it was the perfect stone. And, and off of that stone, you could build this wall and this wall and these walls. Everything was off of that. If the cornerstone was off, he says, listen, he is the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. This, this is the only hope that there is. Here's what's amazing in this. These people, verse two there, they were greatly annoyed because of why. They were annoyed because God had done a miracle in the life of this man. What annoys you? What annoys me? Do we get annoyed when other people get blessed? I do sometimes. If I'm honest, I'm sorry if that disappoints you. Do we, get it, do we get annoyed when God pours out his blessing on other people? This, this um, move that's happening here, this interrogation that's happening here, all of this is because God chose to bless this man who had been crippled. In the midst of all of this conversation here, what the Pharisees have lost is there's this man here whose life got changed by the power of God in a way that everything would be different now. He's no longer a cripple. 
he, he's no longer confined to, to sit there in, in his own excrement all day long. He's, he can walk. He can jump. It says he's 40 years old and dude's got hops. Like everyone's, you know, the average age of death is like 35 here. This is an old dude. And he's like ready to take on Jordan, stick his tongue out, leave from the free throw line. Be impressive. It, God's restored this man. And they want to know why. And then it says this verse that's haunting to me. And they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated common men. They were astonished and they recognized they had been with Jesus. Would that be the identifying mark of our life? Not that they're impressive, not that the words flow off of our tongues when we preach, not that our building is amazing, not even that we have great kids programs, and we do. But that, but that the people that come here can be noted as they've been with Jesus. How, how can that happen? How, how do you do that? Well, I think it starts by going to the temple at the ninth hour to pray. You just do the things you're supposed to do. What, what, what do you do when, when, when you're an all-star outfielder? You take batting practice every day. You stretch, you go in the weight room, you do all those things that you're supposed to do. Uh, you, it, it, you don't reach a point in which you don't do the, those common things. You just do those common things. You get up and you open your Bible. You set 15 minutes aside in the course of your day. At the end of your day, you stop. If you're married, you stop and you talk to each other about your day and you, and you let the word of God, the truth of God, wash all the garbage that's on us off. It's that, it's that simple stuff. And then verse 15, but when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men? For a notable sign has been performed through them. It's evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, we can't deny it. But in order we must spread it no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in, in this name. And they called them and charged them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Verse 19 is haunting to me. Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. But we can't help but speak of what we've seen and heard. When you've encountered him, when you've experienced him, when you've walked with him, and they further threatened them and they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for they were praising God. Church, you can't stop worship. You can't stop worship. When you got a people that have been with Jesus and they're worshiping Jesus, you can't stop that kind of movement. The man on whom this sign was healing was performed 
was more than 40 years old. And then they go and they're released and they go to their friends and they report what happens. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, sovereign Lord who made the heaven, the earth and the sea and everything and who through the mouth of your father, David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, now look at this, now look at this verse. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your words with all boldness. Let us be faithful and bold. And you stretch out your hand and you heal and you do signs and wonders and perform. God, we, let us be bold and you be God. That word boldness, I put the definition in your notes. It, it, it does mean to be outspoken and frank, but, but there's something there by implication. It's assurance. When you, when you pray for boldness and you walk in boldness, you see the assurance of God. When you, when you, when you walk in that faith, you see that he is, he is faithful. It's not some sort of weird test. It's about walking in faith. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Doesn't mean they haven't hurt, but they're not forsaken. Doesn't mean you don't go through things that you can't explain, but you're not forsaken. I got a couple applications here. First thing is this equality thing. I wanna come back to that, that this is what brings us together and makes us equal. I, Anita and I have been living in the parsonage and one of the things that I've loved about living in the parsonage is watching the different people that come here. Groups that meet here during the week and, and guys playing basketball. I've, we've gotten to keep the court open. Walking over and explaining to guys, you cannot smoke weed here, guys. One guy, I said, I said, you can't disrespect this place. He said, Pastor, I wasn't disrespecting. I roll it here, I smoke it somewhere else. I said, no, you, you are not, no. Can't do that. And he hasn't. Police officers sit here, fill out their reports. In the height of everything last summer, the guys playing basketball and the police officers would say the exact same words to me on a weekly basis. We feel safe here. This is when we come together in this place. It's this place where it isn't about our crowns. It isn't about our bank accounts. It isn't about our degrees. We're the church. We're his children. So the guys come here to play basketball. The police come here to use our bathroom because there's no bathrooms around here for like five miles. We've even got those, those sink things now. You don't even have to touch the sink anymore. And ours work. <laughs> Which, by the way, 
I will trust self-driving cars when I trust the water things, the spigots at the airport to work. I deeply hope the guys who work on the sinks at the airport are not the guys who work on the airplanes. Mike, they're not, right? Okay, because those never work, you know? But ours work. So I see the police officers and I come over and open the church and they come and use the bathroom. This is a place where everybody can come to. That's, that's why you go to the temple to pray. It's a place where everybody's welcome. Whatever you bring with you, whatever your stuff, it's this place where all of us are welcome. Here's a second thing that I think is incredibly powerful here in this story. The Holy Spirit fills them, and that filling does things in them that, that is just an incredible, incredible thing. Because you understand that when the Holy Spirit fills you, you no longer have to be something. You are something. You are. I, I was at the Parkview Grayson football game Friday night, and, and at halftime, I was, I was over talking with some of the, the, my Parkview friends and the head coach of the basketball team, who's a kid I've known forever. He, he grew up in our youth group and stuff. And, and, and he said, Randy, I discovered the most amazing thing. He said, he said I kind of bounced around from program to program. He said, and then I figured this out. He said, I figured out that I'm an assistant coach. My job as an assistant coach is not to be impressive. It's to make the coach look impressive. And I'm like, that is profound. I said, you, you do know that's what we're supposed to do as believers. We're not trying to be impressive here. This is about, about God being what is impressive, about bringing glory to him. There are two kinds of people in the room. People walk into a room and say, here I am. We all know those people. Sometimes we all are those people. And there's people who walk into a room and say, there you are. That's what Jesus did. Jesus, the author of life, the holy and righteous one, walked into humanity and said, there you are. And I'll lay down my life for you. There's two kinds of people that make things change. Can you bring that stool up here for me? There's two kinds of people that make things change. There's activists, and I'm not being critical of activists or people that put activists in front of their names, but an activist changes something for a political or social reason. And, and, you know, there's times that things need to be changed politically and socially. That's not what I want to be. I want to be a catalyst. A catalyst, a catalyst, I wrote this definition down. It's a substance or person that enables a reaction at a faster rate or with more energy than otherwise possible. A catalyst causes things to happen inside someone else that they never dreamed they could do. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Some of you think, I couldn't do anything for God. Well, he can bring things out of you you never dreamed. You never imagined. Beyond all you ever even possibly dreamed, the Holy Spirit of God inside of you can do things you know, Billy Graham was not the finest orator of the last century. But man, God put a hand on his life. Go down the list of people 
who, who God used, they weren't always the greatest people. They weren't the best communicators. But there was something about them because the Spirit of God was inside of them. And here's the incredible thing. When the Spirit of God is inside of you, it brings things out of you that you never dreamed. Which brings me to this. This is Diet Coke. And Diet Coke has some carbonation in it. And the carbonation is just kind of sitting there and nothing's really happening until you get some Mentos. And when you get some Mentos, something happens. You see that carbonation, I want you to just see this. When you see this, I, 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 this is gonna be spiritual, all right? And some of you guys in the front might get baptized. At least Methodist style, okay? Sprinkle. Thanks for staying. But when, when the Holy Spirit enters into your life, what's capable of coming out of you? I gotta do this fast. Is more... It's still going. Which, which tells you two things. First of all, the Holy Spirit inside of you is capable of doing more than you should ever do. And the second is you should never drink Diet Coke and Mentos. Because <laughs> if that's going on inside you, it's not pleasant. But who would have believed there was that much carbonation in that bottle? Who would have believed what is inside of you that God can do for his glory? When you've been with Jesus, worship team, come up here. There's an assurance that comes with that faith. I, I was at that game and um, I was at that game and, you know, my I. I hang out on the sidelines of Archer and Grayson now, not Brookwood and Parkview, where I used to be at Brookwood and Parkview. And, and after the game, the starting middle linebacker for the Parkview team is a kid we've known since he was this big and watched him come up. He was in our love program when I was youth pastor. And I just love this kid. His name's Coleman. You know, he's the middle linebacker. And if you know about football, you're in on every play if you're the middle linebacker. You're in on every play. And at the end of the game, Parkview lost last second throw, last second throw, and, and Grayson, uh, corner and defensive back, went and knocked the ball down, and, and Parkview lost. Last second play. Got Grayson, number two team in the country last year, undefeated state champion. You're Parkview, you wanna win that game would have changed the season. And I go over and he's, he walks through the line and, he, he, and I'd seen him earlier and, and we'd waved to each other, but he didn't see me standing over there. And, and I ran over and I grabbed him. He was with his team. I ran over and grabbed him and, and I said, Coleman. And he looks at me and he goes, Randy. He goes, listen, 
we got to get together and talk about Jesus. He goes, God's doing so much in my life. The wherewithal at, at, with it, two minutes after that football game's over, you've just lost the football game and your full attention's on Jesus. I'm not there. I'm in high school. I'm crying at that point. Of course, I cry about lots of stuff, but, but I'm crying at that point. I'm angry at that point. When they saw them, they recognized they had been with Jesus. All church, that that would be us. Would you stand with me and let's pray? Lord Jesus, we, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here today. We pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would do amazing things. God, we, we pray that you would be those mentos in our life. But Lord, let us be those mentos in other people's lives. Let us, through the power of your Holy Spirit, be people that when they see us, they say they are with Jesus. And it changes everything about everything. We say we're not capable. And this is what you say. You don't have to because I'm in you. I, I don't know what to say. Your word says you don't have to know what to say. I'll tell you what to say. And maybe if you don't have anything to say, maybe the best thing to say is nothing. Just be there. Lord, we pray right now in your name that you would be in the lives of this church. And Lord, we do pray for healing and financial and spiritual blessings. And we pray all those things. But God, I pray this morning more than anything else that the people that encounter us would know that we have been in the presence of Jesus. And it would be seen in our worship right now. And it would be seen when we're at work tomorrow and at school on Tuesday and on the football field on Friday. And when the powerful ask us questions and we don't know what to say, let us just say this. We're gonna follow him because there's an assurance, there is a promise that we know this, that we know that we belong to you. And when everything else seems lost, we belong to you. We're gonna pray. We are gonna do communion this morning. Over in the wings, there's self-serve if you'd rather do that. We have these corners. We have our nation's corner, our neighborhoods, our next generation corner. And back at the cross, there'll be elders back there if you wanna be prayed over. Maybe it's about ministry. Maybe it's about your marriage. Maybe it's about healing. There's, there's elders back there. They will anoint you and pray. We have seen God heal people here. We believe by the power of his Holy Spirit, not by the power of our elders, but by the power of our God, lives change. Church, let us be people that when the world sees us, whatever they say, they say this, they've been with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's worship him. Amen. We've been with Jesus. Thanks for listening. I'm Myrna Brown.